Do you ever feel like you're so fixated on what you're building next that you forget to look at the opportunities right in front of you? Right now, people around the world are looking for meaning and purpose and value. And many of them are searching for those things through their jobs. So that means you, as a founder, have a chance to provide these people with the very thing they long for most. And look, maybe you've felt this call before. You've come out of a church service or a conference and you were so excited to make a difference for your team. But then reality hit and you started thinking, where's the money gonna come from? How are we gonna actually implement this new initiative? Quickly, you move past the opportunity and decide that it's just too complicated to get into right now. But what if it actually wasn't that complicated? Today, we're talking to Stephen Phelan, the chief pastoral officer of Movement Mortgage. Their team has implemented some radical programs for their employees, and Stephen has helped businesses all around the U.S. do the same. The best part is that these programs aren't out of reach or super expensive. In fact, in this episode, Stephen's going to show us how realistic these are for any company, no matter how big or small your team is. I'm Joey Hinesco, and you're listening to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Justin Foreman, and we're recording this just days after the Super Bowl. And Justin, we've had some side conversation, and you seemed much more excited about that Dunkin' Donuts commercial than you were about the game. How can you not be? As a Lions fan that is heartbroken, watching a terrible game happen in the first half, thinking we missed our moment. This was our once-in-a-generational opportunity to win the Super Bowl. So no, I was not excited about the football game. I was excited about the ad wars and Dunkin' Donuts, hands down. The subtleties, the Easter eggs. Come on, Joey. You had to appreciate that. Oh, man. I loved it. I loved the commercials. Second place only to, well, I guess it'd be kind of third place. Second place would be the Usher halftime show. And for me, it was just a great win to have Taylor Swift there because I'm a far bigger Swift fan than I am a football fan. And uh, I have a feeling I'm the minority, not just in our listenership, but probably in this recording room with our guest, Stephen, today. Stephen, you a big Swifty? Well, my daughter is. Uh, I've become one through my eighth grade daughter, who has all the albums, knows all the songs, is playing Swift relentlessly in our house. Everyone else in the house is going, no more Swift, and she's just on it. So I've become a fan through her. But you've also got a football background too, right? So it's a little bit of two-for-one special for you. No doubt, yeah. Played in college at UVA, so loved the game. And actually, I thought the first half was brilliant because it was a defensive game. Uh, So I love the first half. I'm a defensive guy. That's awesome. I definitely have enough knowledge to know the difference between defense and offense, but that's about where my knowledge stops. But... We are excited you're here and excited to talk about caring for your team, all those kinds of things, because you really have a unique role at Movement Mortgage. We've had Movement Mortgage videos. We've had stories. They've been on the podcast. We've talked about it in different ways, but we haven't had a chance to have you talking about this role as chief pastoral officer. So that's a really unique title. Can you start us off with just a bit of an overview about what that means and how you as a pastor came into the private sector? What does all that look like? Well, honestly, Joey, I had two phone calls that changed my life. And both of those phone calls were from a faith-driven entrepreneur. And the first phone call that changed my life was from a guy named Casey Crawford, a faith-driven entrepreneur who called me. This is back in 2008, early 2008. He said, hey man, I think God is, is calling me 
to start a mortgage company. Would you fast and pray with me on that? I was like, no, I won't. It's a bad idea. You need to turn the TV on, man. You got to get out. The world is blowing up because of that industry. And he goes, I know, I know. But it's, that's all driven by greed. Like subprime loans has collapsed the world. It's driven by greed. He said, but what if we started a company that was all about loving our neighbor rather than preying on our neighbor for personal financial gain? And so I said, oh, well, man, I could get behind that. And so we began fasting and praying about that. And he had a day away with God and called me on the way back. Hey, man, like God spoke to me. It was awesome. I said, man, that's awesome. What did he say? He said, well, um, he told me to cap my income, live moderately and give it all away. If this company really goes, if God really blesses it, man, I think I'm called to build God's kingdom with this, not my own personal kingdom. And man, that was so inspiring to me. I said, man, listen, I love that. You've heard from God on this. And I said, it'll be my pleasure to hold you to that for the rest of your life because you've heard from God to start a company that's all about the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of Casey. And at the time it didn't matter, right? Because it was like me and him and there was no money, there was no nothing. And so he has his Jerry Maguire moment and like bangs out this manifesto and sends it over to me and and then we started dreaming about what would a company look like that was really about seeking first the kingdom of God, loving your neighbor, really the great commandment. How do you live out loving God and loving people? And so that conversation changed for me. And that then set the trajectory of a company that's built around loving teammates, doing everything we can to love teammates with eternity in mind, their long-term best interests in mind. So I tell you what, that one phone call changed my life. Mm. It changed the way I think about the great commandment. And later in the call, we can get to the second phone call from yeah. a faith-driven entrepreneur that also changed my journey. But that one really took me on a journey with a faith-driven entrepreneur to think about how could we reimagine faith in the marketplace integrating yeah. faith and work at every level, built around fundamentally loving your neighbor and loving your teammate. Man, there's so much in that, Stephen, when you're talking about the idea of like, man, there's a decision that's being made early and it's before the success, it's before the growth. It's so important and so critical that God gets a hold of our heart when there is nothing. So that when those big things come, when the growth comes, that we have the ability to handle it. When I look at being around the movement for the past 20 years, and I think of leaders of the Green family at Hobby Lobby, I think of Casey, I think of the Barnhart story, and I think of that. There's a consistency there of people that have made a decision before. They made a decision early. And I think about just kind of the joy that you see in those stories of how it's unlocked this opportunity so that whether times are good or bad, there's more freedom to say, this is not about me but this is really about something more. And I was thrilled to be with you guys last week because I think that there's this question that entrepreneurs are asking. And they're saying this question, man, I know I'm supposed to do more. I know I want to do more. I might even go in church on Sunday morning and feel convicted that I need to do more. But man, I just looked at that budget and I looked at things and it's tight and I don't know how to get there. And when you talk about finish lines and you talk about creativity of things, you guys have found a way to innovate, to find a way to do some things. But that came from some inspiration, some ideas, some immediate needs. And you kind of started doing some things and you didn't know what to call it. And then you found, you know, a fellow traveler kind of heading in the same direction. What was the story and how do all those dots connect? Yeah, so 
It started, remember, back with, we're going to build a company around loving God and loving people, just fundamentally. And so our mission statement is we exist to love and value people. In everything we do, we exist to love and value people. So when we're small and we were just a few people, we're trying to say, how can we really fundamentally start with our teammates first? We're going to love them so well. And then if we love our teammates well, then we'll have some customers. And we want to love them well. And if we love our customers well, we'll have some profit to love marginalized communities. So back to how we love our teammates. Well, what we knew was that all of us land in crisis in one time or another. It just happens. Like, it doesn't matter whether you're poor, rich, middle class, in the middle. All of us are either in a crisis, coming out of one, or we're heading into one. And so we said, when crisis strikes, we are going to show up. Because we found there's three fundamental needs of the human heart. When you're in crisis, you want help. When you show up to work, you want a friend. And everyone wants to build a life of purpose. And so the first one, when you're in crisis, you want help. You want to be loved by people who show up and help you. And so we know theologically, this is the story of the Good Samaritan. Like, don't walk by on the other side of the road. Stop. Bend down and deal with the issues that are facing your teammate who's in crisis. And so what happened for us, you know, Justin, is we had a teammate who came to her boss and said, hey, listen, would it be okay if I worked remotely on Thursday and Friday? And this is way before working remote was a thing. This is when we just had a few people and, you know, we're trying to, why would you want to work remote? She said, well, payday's Monday and I can't put gas in my car. So if I could just stay home Thursday, Friday, she said, Mm. I think I can make it once payday hits Monday. Mm. So she took that to Casey and Casey said, well, if she can't put gas in her car, then I bet she can't put groceries in her fridge either. So let's do both. And so we gassed up her car, put groceries in her fridge, and it didn't have a name, but it would later become Love Works. That's what we fundamentally theologically believe is that love takes action. Love does. And so we just started loving our teammates when we were small. And then we said, gosh, this is beautiful. This is right. And we commissioned everyone, hey, just keep loving, keep loving. And so we built scale to love as we grew and we call it Love Works. And now we have been able to love over 2,500 teammates in crisis for over $5 million of very tangible ways. But it started when we were five people. And Justin, this is important. The way we fund it, it started off with Casey and Toby seeding it with a gift. But then you know what we did? We just invited our teammates. And so we created a way for them to give out of a payroll deduction. And so now this is funded entirely by our teammates. You know, there's so much there I want to come back to, but a couple of things I want to say, like that what I just heard that I hope our listeners are hearing. One is as great as the growth has been with movement and as exciting as that has been, the ability to impact others, you acted. You were talking about its action and you acted early. And it wasn't like this program. It's just sometimes we make love so complex, so inaccessible, so programmatized that we miss the simple obedience that's wrapped up in this. And I love the fact when confronted with that, that you stepped in, you did something. And when as our listeners are hearing this, I think that's a key thing. And so whether our team is big or small, 
We need to be thinking about ways to do this. You know, one of the things I want to take us into is, and I think you've got a really unique perspective on this, Stephen, is, is coming from the pastor, right? coming from the church, you know, Joey and I have been thinking about kind of some research as we're partnering with our friends, David Kinman and the group at Barna, just to try to better understand the relationship between church and entrepreneurs. It kind of has us kind of thinking about, man, what is the state of the state? And we came across a Gallup poll that talked about just the trust factor. And it talked about this idea of like, the typical heroes that we've turned to in the past, politicians, movie stars, whatever it might be, you know, our trust factor, especially when in government, it's low. I mean, it's like in the single digits. When you talk about the church, it's more trusted. It's probably two or three times that. But the fascinating thing for us was that small business owners are six times as likely to be trusted than government. And so there is a moment here that I think what you guys are talking about, and you're talking about this program, there is a chance here for us to lean into that, not to take away from what happens in the church, but for us to have eyes to see there is a trusted relationship that is standing right in front of us. How do we lean into that? So as a pastor, when you hear that, you hear that statistic, what do you think is going on there? What are you seeing when you wrestle with that? Well, yeah, so I was a pastor of a local church and planning churches for 13 years, and now I'm a pastor in the marketplace. And so what I saw pretty clearly was that people were leaving the local church and not going back. The nuns and the others in our country are growing. America's becoming more secular by the day, but where are they going? They're going to work. And so to your point, the good news is they have a higher level of trust in small business owners and their community that they're finding at work. And so we can leverage that and actually multiply their trust when you show up and you say, hey, we're going to pay your utility bill that you were going to have cut off. Like what that does is that builds up so much trust. You go, like, why? Well, because we love you. Like, we're so glad you're here at work. And because we love you, we're going to build a community of love and value. And that just escalates trust that was already greater anyway. Okay, now you have a community that is high in trust. And when you're high in trust, you can do so many things. So let's go back to the second phone call from a faith-driven entrepreneur that changed my life. Remember, you've got this community at work that's high in trust. And we fast forward in the development of movement a few years, and I'm pastoring and planning churches, and I get a phone call from this faith-driven entrepreneur named Casey Crawford. And so he said, let's leverage what we already have by relational connectedness, a high level of trust. Let's leverage that to live out the Great Commission at work. And so on top of Love Works, what we did is we built a mentoring process to love people. And our definition of love is to act with their long-term best interest in mind. So mentoring is just acting with their long-term best interest in mind. And we built an explicitly faith-driven track called the Faith in Life track. And we have seen so much fruit, so many lives transformed. Marriages get better. They become better parents. They become better humans, pouring into them in every way. And then we developed other tracks for the mentoring process, a leadership development track, a life planning track, and a grab the key track. But all of that was built around how do we love people? How do we love them with eternity in mind? And when you pair Love works with a mentoring process. It is so powerful because you're living out the great commandment and the great commission 
at work and the impact is extraordinary. It is extraordinary. And the thing that I love is, is when you talk about the Love Works program, if we're resetting for our listeners here, that's a program to step into those times of crisis, those times of struggle. But then there's a part of it that you want to go on the offense and you want to get ahead and you want to help people to make sure that like, whether it's life goals, life planning, you guys have talked about the power of just what home ownership, things like financial decisions, major financial decisions, what that does for generational opportunity. Uh, and wealth preservation, wealth creation, what that does. And I think the way that you guys have framed those plans and those goals and those steps, it's an offense and a defense. If we started off with the football kind of talking at the game, that's really what this is. But here's where I want to get specific. So like for one, I can hear the joy in your heart and your words and I love it. I love seeing a pastor that is talking about, man, these are the opportunities we have dreamed of in the church. They are right in front of us. And they're all the time right here in the marketplace. So I want to get specific. When you talk about like programs like Love Works, and maybe then we'll work to mentoring, but some people listening to this are going to be saying, well, how, how does this program work? How does Love Works? What does that look like? So you're talking about a program here that has a payroll deduction system everybody is able to contribute into. That's got to do big things, I'd imagine, for the culture. I mean, what percentage ballpark are people are participating in a program like this? Yeah, Justin, great question. So currently, over 50% of our teammates are contributing through payroll deduction. We've had as high as up to 71%. And let me tell you, you want a massive culture win? Start Love Works. Like, there's not a single person who's going to be like, ah, you know, we really shouldn't. When people are in crisis, I don't think we should help. Like, it's just kind of, we're all like, we all want that. Right. And so I think this is one of the easiest culture wins that every business can establish. There's absolutely no downside and there's an enormous upside. And it's just a commitment for love's sake, for the sake of love. And yeah, literally, like we can help you set it up in a way that people will actually get, you know, a tax deduction as they're giving. You can handle it either internally, like we're doing, or we can help you set it up externally through some partners with Helping Hands, some different ways. So if anybody's interested in that, we'd love to help you talk through the specifics of that. But yeah, if you cast a vision for it of this is the kind of community that we're going to build that we all want to be a part of. And then we just kind of go all in of loving on our teammates when they're in crisis and you start to share those stories and the culture starts to um, elevate. Yeah. Everyone says, I'm so glad I work here. Hmm. Like I never would have thought that I would have been loved like I have when I showed up to work. This is yeah. what I've always dreamed of. Yeah, it's a team that everybody's wanted to be a part of. It's the thing that they've wanted to feel seen. And I think this is an important distinction that I want to make is uh, love unconditional has struck me that love for love's sake, like that that is our call, that is our commandment, that is what we're called to step into. And we could end the podcast right there. And yet there's something of what you're alluding to that we also need to talk about because I think oftentimes we think about trade and we think we're sacrificing, we're trading down, but we're really trading up because you're talking about we're trading up for a culture that everybody wants to be a part of that you're going to have buy-in, that you're going to have support, that you're going to feel joy going to work. There's different ways that it kind of comes full circle in this 
perpetual flywheel of good happens. Can you talk about some of the ways you've seen that culture change or, you know, how has that affected recruiting or turnover or some of those other things that are a part of that equation? When you show up to work, you don't want to be treated like a commodity that is traded, that you feel transactional, not relational. Love Works helps you show up and feel like a human being who is loved in tangible ways. And so that creates such a culture shift because if you're a part of a company where you feel like you're a cog in the wheel, it's just churn and burn, then the retention rate becomes a challenge and it really just becomes all about the numbers of a salary. But if you know you're building a special community, you're building, and for a follower of Jesus, you would say you're bringing a little bit of heaven down to earth. You're giving people a taste of heaven as it is on earth. And so we get to step into that together. That is a game changer. Steven, I'm hearing this and it sounds like there's such great wins here. They sound like very winnable wins for that matter. And yet something about it still feels rare, unfortunately, in the business world. So what are some of the barriers that stop people from entering into this? Is it a matter of just uncertainty, like not knowing the next steps? Is it a fear of the unknown? What has been some of the things that you guys have consulted with others that has stopped people from entering into something like Love Works? Well, I think one of the things is maybe a misunderstanding of how to fund it. And you're just thinking, man, like I got to make payroll and things are tight. I'm strapped already. I don't know if I can, you know, put a bunch of money up front and to create this. And the idea there is like, yeah, maybe as the owner, leader, entrepreneur, you go in, but you're just, you're casting a vision for others to help build this community with you. And so you don't have to be the funder of this in perpetuity. All you have to do is cast a vision and allow your teammates to say, we're going to build a special community. Come be a part of this. So one, I think the funding structure and a misunderstanding of how that would have to be funded keeps people from doing it. Now, we also know this, Joe, the battle we fight is actually not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Satan doesn't want a community like this at work. And so he's going to be fundamentally opposed to this kind of community. And one of the things he'll do is, you know, Kevin Young's book, Crazy Busy, uh, he'll just keep us crazy busy. And you just feel like, I don't, have, I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the time to think about, you know, that's sort of working on the business, in the business. And there's so much working in the business that it's hard to kind of take time to pull back and go, man, like, here's some easy things we could put in place. And this one's easy. And so I think that crazy busy mentality and the funding are two of the things that we see as obstacles to overcome, but they're easily overcomable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing that we are deeply passionate about here is making sure that um, maybe it's a Texan phrase, but this idea that there's no pep rallies without a football game, that there is no hype without something to go do and to get after it. And we've mentioned this on the podcast a couple of times, but that is why it was so great to be with Steven and the team last week to capture some of the heartbeat of this story. And so 
One of the things that you might notice on the Faith Driven Entrepreneur app is a growing list of courses that will continue to highlight specific issues, places where we get hung up as entrepreneurs and we get stuck and we want to break free from that. And so whether it's a course on what does it look like to find right fundraising and partners to financially support on that journey, we've got a course that we've done with friends like Jessica Kim and that. And so this is another one. Uh, specifically about caring for your team. We've got a three-part session here, Story of Love Works, where we go deeper into the program here to see how it's run, talk to other team members and just kind of the different roles that come together to form that program. So we don't have a specific date of when that's coming out, but in the coming months, stay tuned for that, that we are thrilled to be able to put that in the hands of faith-driven entrepreneurs to say, hey, how do we get in the game? How do we take that first step? How do we make sure that we get past the fear and the hurdles there? So very, very much looking forward to that. Steven, so grateful for your team being a part of that last week and just the whole movement team coming together to pull together that series. Yeah, thanks, Justin. It's an incredible joy. I think that the movement that is developing among faith-driven entrepreneurs is inspiring. The church is awakening in the marketplace and the church is winning in the marketplace. The church is on the move. The, the church is God's instrument to shatter the gates of hell. And when we build communities, he has shown you, oh man, what is good, but to do justly and love mercy and to walk humbly. Love works is Micah 6, 8 lived out. It's the Good Samaritan lived out. And so we can demonstrate the gospel and it may never have the name of Jesus attached to it, but it's just an expression of love. It is a demonstration. He has shown you, oh man, what is good to love mercy, walk humbly, do justly. And so let's extend those kind of communities. Let's proliferate. Let's make them ubiquitous uh, in the marketplace. And the prophet spoke of the mercy of God rolling down. You know, Amos speaks of this great day. What if we get to step into that and help create that? It'd be our joy at Movement. I mean, if you would contact me, you don't know how much joy I get in coming alongside other entrepreneurs who are like, yes, I'm in. Uh, we're going to do that. We're going to do that and some. And, and I learned from the entrepreneurs, Justin, who innovate, who take this and go places we haven't even thought about. That's what's such a joy is to see the innovation of the church, capital C, in the marketplace, funneling you know, this movement of God's spirit and love into people. It's a beautiful thing. Man, I love that, Stephen. We always end every episode trying to center on God's word, and you just brought us there without even the question. So just so grateful for what you are doing at Movement and through the LoveWorks program in your company and in the companies that you guys have worked with outside of that. So thanks again for joining us. It's great to have you on, and I know our audience will be blessed by the insight you offered. So thanks again, Stephen. Thanks for listening to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. Our ministry exists to equip and resource entrepreneurs just like you with content and community. We know entrepreneurship can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't have to be. We've got groups that meet in churches, coffee shops, living rooms, and boardrooms around the world. Find one in your area or volunteer to lead one and bring this global movement to your own backyard. There's no cost, no catch, just connection. Find out more at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org.